0: We are in the Knowing God series. Last week, Pastor Danny challenged us. Those who know their God will what? That's said. I have noticed even in our small group, when you ask a question, a spiritual question, what did we learn last week? They look if there are leaks in the ceiling, if somebody dropped a coin, If the wall is painted correct. So what was the message last week? Know what? Know that God is almighty. God is almighty. Those who know their God will what? Show strength. You have to know that your strength, my strength, comes from God almighty. Parang absent ka last week, Brad. (laughs) Now, what did Pastor Danny challenge us on? Respond. Respond properly to God, and He will be for you. He will be on your side, and He will not be against you. He is for you, He is not against you. But the way to have God constantly on your side is for you to respond properly. Live as wise men do not leave us fools leave us wise and live leave us fools and die respond properly to God because He is for you He is not against you and last week Pastor Danny gave us sweet sour sauce <laughs> surrender in humility sweet intay ka na lang. <laughs> there not we want to be sensitive, right? So I was translating last week. Sunod at hintay ka lang. Where? Who's there? Oh, yes. Sunod at hintay ka lang. Which means what? Obey and wait on Him. The third S. Sandal ka lang sa kanya. Or lean on Him. Don't lean on anyone or anything else. Lean on God. Why? Because God is the only one who is Almighty. El Shaddai. When he introduced himself, he said, I am. I am. When you say I am, or I was, or I will be, there is a progression of change. But when God introduced himself, he said, I am. Before eternity past, I am. In the present, I am. In the future, I am. God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I am, I am. God Almighty. This morning, we look at another attribute or characteristic of God. In our pursuit of knowing Him. Because as we know our God, His people will display strength. This morning, know that God is holy. That's our topic this morning. Know that God is holy. Now, what is holy or what is holiness? Let me show you. What do you see? Just a bright white, right? How about now? Did you see? Was there a difference? Was there a difference? Huh? But generally, what percentage? Of the black dot that small black dot what is that compared to the percentage of the big white square almost insignificant if Ulrich did not see me perhaps press on the button maybe he would not have noticed that I did something so you have here you have the pure white square and then I Put a really, really small, really, really tiny, insignificant, minuscule black dot. Is that still holy? No. It's no longer holy. You have a small blemish. It is no longer perfect. So what do we do? We try to erase the dot. Is that still holy? Why? So there was something there before that was removed. So it is no longer holy. Because holiness means perfect. You cannot have a blemish, no matter how minuscule, no matter how insignificant, no matter how small, it is no longer holy. And even if you erase it, because there are change that happened, it is no longer holy. How can God say, I am, I am, if there was a change? The holiness of God is constant. He is perfect. Look at what first John says. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. That God is what? And in him? No darkness? Or no darkness at all? Because if we are not careful, we can say that, well, there was some darkness before, but God brought into the light, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the Bible is saying what? There is no darkness at all. There is not one iota, not one speck, not one minuscule defect in who God is insofar as His holiness is concerned. That's why the word holy as we define it in the Old Testament which we sang about, Kadash or Kadosh means to consecrate, sanctify, prepare, dedicate, be hallowed, be holy, sanctified, to be set apart. We are not holy. Only God is holy. The same idea in the New Testament in the Greek, to become consecrated, become holy, declare holy, dedicate, dedicated, dedicated, sanctified, set apart. Set apart the consecrated to show himself holy, holy, dedicate. There are more of this. But we, do you get the idea? Holiness means set apart a league of its own. There is no one holy but God. And we should not compare God to us. Because he is alone is holy look at what isaiah 40 says who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales who has directed the spirit of the lord or as his counselor has informed him with whom did he consult and who gave him understanding and who taught him in the path of justice, taught him knowledge, and informed him of the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are like a drop of a bucket, and are as regarded as a speck of dust in the scales. Behold, he lift up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. And can we read verse 18? To whom then we liken God? Or what likeness will you compare him? God is holy. We cannot compare him to anything or anyone, because only God is holy. He is set apart just by who He is. And we cannot compare Him and we should not compare Him. We should not liken Him to us because He is lofty and exalted and set apart. Only God is holy. We've been talking about Moses and how he encountered God. So let me show you what happened. In Exodus chapter 3, now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses saw pictures something like this. Now, how many of you have seen fire? Some of you have not. Okay, that's fine. No problem. Now, I like chemistry. Some of you do not like chemistry. I like chemistry. I learned from my chemistry class that for there to be fire, you need three things. You need oxygen, you need heat, and you need fuel. Take away one, combustion or fire will not take place. Now, as so long as there's fuel, so long as there's oxygen, so long as there is heat, there will be combustion, there will be fire. But what happened? What did Moses see? He saw a bush that was burning. But. The fire continued to blaze, continued to rage, but the bush was not being consumed. In English, kaka, kakaiba. (laughs) Friends, here is a picture of the message last Sunday. God Almighty, Who can let a bush burn without it being consumed? No one except God. And what did Moses do? So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why the bush is not burned up? Even he was, how could this be? And then when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, what? Moses. Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place which you are standing is what? Holy ground. Now, God does things to call our attention. And in this story with Moses, he had a bush continue to burn but was not consumed. And Moses noticed and he turned aside to look. What is this thing? This is different. But when God saw Moses turn aside to look, he spoke. And what did he say? Hey, did that, is that what he said? He called Moses by name. Holy God knows your name by name. And then what did Holy God do? He said, Moses, remove your sandals for the place on which you stand is what? Holy ground. So Moses seeing the picture of this bush that was on fire yet was not being consumed he obeyed the word of the Lord and removed his sandals What made is there anything special about the ground Huh It's holy God said the la- the ground on which you stand is holy But why is it holy Ah The ground is holy only because God's presence made the ground holy. It's not the ground. It is the presence of the Lord that makes the ground holy. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that you and I are indwelt with the what? And your body is now the temple of the what? Holy Spirit. Therefore, if you have Jesus Christ and you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, are you holy? You are not convinced. Yes. Are you holy? Yes. By God's word, you are by position holy. The question is, do we live as if we are holy. Now, how do we know if a person is holy and he lives a holy life? Very easy, like this. I'm just fooling. Piety is different from holiness. It is the presence of the Lord in the person's life that makes the person holy by God's declaration. But the challenge, the question to us is... When we say that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and that we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, do we live holy lives? That's the question. So Moses, turning aside, God spoke to him. God told him, remove your sandals. The ground on which you stand is holy. It is the presence of God that makes that place holy. This is a building And we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, all of us, who have a personal relationship with Christ. Is this place, therefore, now holy ground? Two agree. This is the sanctuary of the Lord, because the Lord's people is here worshiping him. It is the presence of the Lord in our midst that makes this holy ground. Continuing He said also, God telling Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Now many times our first encounter with God or something spiritual is fear. In the case of Moses, when he saw this and he heard the voice of the Lord, he was afraid and he hid his face. Why? Because Exodus thirty-three twenty says, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Such is the holiness of God that no human being can see God and survive the radiance of his holiness, the radiance of his glory. It's as if you want to look God and God is in the middle and you cannot see anything except this bright light. The book of Revelation tells us that the whole heaven is lighted by the presence of God and it is a blinding light. How many of you have tried to look at the sun? What happens to you if you look long enough at the sun? And how many millions or trillions or whatever it is Away from the earth is the sun. Yet you can see it with your naked eye. You don't look at it for long because you'll go blind. You can feel the heat. Yesterday, those of us who were in the beach, very hot. But the sun is so far away. Such is the holiness of God. No one can see God and live. So what did God tell Moses? Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, I am the Almighty, I am, I am. And I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." He introduced himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he will bring them to a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And God does not forget his promises because all of God's promises have come to pass. Not one of them have failed. And he's going to use Moses. And Moses gave him all kinds of excuses. What am I going to say? Tell them, I am, I am, sent you. But it, what if they did not believe? Take the rod, throw it down. It becomes a snake. Take it back up. Wow. But, 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 but I'm weak of, 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 of speech. Moses stuttered. Excuse na naman. Okay. Aaron, your brother, he will speak. I speak to you, you speak to Aaron, Aaron will speak to the people. What's your excuse? No excuse. If God calls you, he will equip you. If God calls you, he will equip you to do that which he wants you to do. And he wanted Moses to be the instrument of bringing the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land. God chose them. He set them apart. He declared them to be holy. Set apart different. That's why six days you shall work. On the seventh day is your what? It is your Sabbath. It is holy unto the Lord. God chose them. God pulled them out. God set them apart to become holy. Holy unto himself. You will be my people and I will be your God. Is holiness something serious with God? Do you think? Because God is holy, that he would want his people to live holy lives. Is this something serious? Is this something you believe close to the heart of God? Well, let me show you some examples about how serious God is about his holiness. With the person that we're talking about, Moses. Moses was born to a Hebrew family. He was saved He grew up in the palace for 40 years. And then he spent 40 years unlearning everything in the wilderness. As a sheep herder in his father-in-law's pasture, his father-in-law Jethro. And then after 40 more years, God called him to lead God's people out of Israel. So... As they were going to Israel, you know the obstinate, stiff-necked Israelite people. Oh, why did you bring us out to this desert to die? We have no food. We have no water. All we have is this manna to eat. We have no meat. I don't, I don't, I don't. Always complain, complain, complain. Do you complain? Do you think God is happy that we complain? No. No. Numbers 21, they grumbled and God sent what? Venomous snakes. Right? But perhaps you would think Moses of all people, he should be at the top of the list. The first one to go into the promised land because it was Moses who was called, right? He should be the leader, right? Well, let's see what happened. God told Moses in Numbers 20 because they had, the people had complained again that there is no water. It is better that we have died in Egypt. Why did you bring us to this desert only to die? So God said, Moses, take the rod and your brother Aaron, assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock And let uh, let the congregation and their beast drink. Last week, what did you learn about God? God is? Parang malungkot kayo. God is almighty. (laughs) God is almighty. Can anyone here produce water from a rock? No one. Only God almighty can do that. So, what is the command to Moses. Moses, assemble all the people. Okay? And then speak to the rock. And then what will happen? Water will come out from the rock. So much water will come out from the rock that it will be able to supply water for the whole Israelite community and even their animals. Very easy. chong, nawasa. Right? Speak to the rock. What did Moses do? So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as he had commanded him. Check. And Moses and Aaron gathered up assembly before the rock. Check. And he said to them, listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water from you out of this rock? Who was going to bring water from the rock? Look at his statement. Who is going to bring water from the rock? Or oh, Moses and Aaron. It was God who was going to produce water from the rock, not Moses and Aaron. He said, speak to the rock. What did he do? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And then what? Water came forth abundantly in the congregation and their beast drank. Did water come from the rock? Did everyone drink? Did the beast drink? But did Moses obey? God told him, "Speak to the rock." What did he do? He struck the rock twice. And when he assembled the people,, "Will we bring water from the rock? It's God who's going to produce the rock, the water, not you. So because of that, what happened? The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not believed me, to what? Treat me as holy, set apart in the sight of the sons of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring the assembly into the land which I have given them. Moses was not allowed to enter The promised land. Why? Because you did not regard me as holy in front of the people. You will not enter the promised land. Those were the waters of Meribah because the sons of Israel contended with the Lord. And what? He proved himself holy among them. Who will you compare me to? Says the Lord. You cannot compare me to anyone or anything. Speak to the rock. Just obey and water will come forth. You did not obey. And as a consequence of your disobedience, you will not be able to bring the people across to the promised land. Is God serious about his holiness? How about Uzzah? Background, they had the Ark of the Covenant. God told Moses to build an ark. God told Moses to build the tabernacle. Because the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God, you are not supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant. That's why there are rings on the sides so that you insert a wooden pole And those who carry the Ark do not get to touch the Ark of the Covenant. Because the presence of the Lord is in there, and that is what? Holy. Right? Now they put the Ark on a cart. And you know, they did not have freeways. They did not have the Department of Public Works. So the road was just rough and many stones. And look at what happened. When they came from the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. In other words, it was about to fall off the cart. And what did Uzzah? Good meaning, well-meaning as he is. He wanted to prevent the ark of the, the Lord from tipping over. So what did he do? Oops! and what happened in verse 7 the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah and God struck him down there right there and he died by the ark of God now you, you and I can have the best intentions whatsoever but please don't mess with the holiness of God Good intention, bad outcome. God said, I am holy. Third, Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, we read In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. God gave Isaiah a vision a vision of who God is. Now, this is a time of political turmoil. A king had died, a new king sits on the throne. But then, the vision that God gave to Isaiah, I saw the Lord seated on a throne. What does it show us? God is not faced. He knows exactly what's going on. He does not. Uy, ano dun? Huh? Namatay yung king? Bakit? No? Relax. God is in control. And who or what vision did Isaiah see? The Lord seated on a throne, lofty and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And then seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. No one can see the Lord and live, An angelic being with six wings, two wings covering the eyes, two wings covering the feet, and two wings being used for flight. And then what? And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out. While the temple was filling with smoke. These angelic beings, seraphim, were what? What were they doing? They were calling out to each other. In worship of the one seated on the throne. And what were they declaring? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now in their language during that time, they have no superlatives good better best if you know pusoy, you know what i'm talking about good better best beautiful more beautiful most beautiful none for them the way they they express superlatives is to repeat and three is the maximum holy 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 is the Lord of hosts. Friends, God does not need us to worship Him. The worship of God has been in existence since God existed. And since He is I Am, before everything was, worship of God already was taking place. And worship of God will still take place with or without us. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Earth is filled with his glory. And at the worship of the, the seraphim, the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out. And the temple was filling with smoke. And then what happened? Isaiah, having seen this through the vision, he said, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the Lord. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Lords. Did Isaiah see God face to face? God gave Isaiah a vision. And when he, Isaiah, through that vision, saw the holiness of God, he said, I'm dead. I'm finished. Alas, woe is me, for I have seen the Lord, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin." is forgiven. When Isaiah saw the holiness of God and he realized that he is all but dead because he has encountered a holy God, one of the seraphim took a coal, brought it to the lips of Isaiah. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sins have been forgiven. When Isaiah confessed, the Lord said, First, Isaiah heard. He said, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Isaiah did not hear the voice of the Lord until after he confessed. Woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the holy, the Lord of hosts. What can we learn from Isaiah? First, revelation. In Isaiah 6 verse 3, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. A revelation to Isaiah that only God is holy. And at that revelation of who God is, he had a revelation of who he is in light of holy God. It is easy for us to compare between ourselves. Well, I am holier than Mike. Or Mike is holier than me. That might well do. But no one can compare to God because only God is holy. When you encounter the holiness of God, you will realize that only God is holy and you're not. And when you come to that point of revelation that God reveals himself to you and God through his holiness reveals who you really are inside. You come to a point of repentance. Verse 5. I said, woe is me. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Revelation about who God is and who you are in light of who God is. My friends should bring you to a point of repentance that you should turn away from your evil ways and follow the ways of our holy God. Isaiah spoke, he confessed, he agreed with God that only God is holy and he is not. The Bible tells us there is no one like our no one holy like our Lord indeed there is no one besides you nor is there any rock like our God. And that's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 3 verse 10 there is what no one righteous not even one. How dare we present our acts of good deeds to the Lord who alone is holy? We have to come to a point of, after knowing who God is and who we are in light of God's holiness, to come to a point of repentance and say, God, I confess that I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. That's why in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the promise of God is this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The problem is, if we say that we have not sinned, we make holy God to be what? Can God lie? God does not lie. He cannot lie. Because He is holy. How dare we say that we have not sinned when God Almighty, the Holy One says, There is no one righteous, not even one. We have to come to grips with who we really are. That we are a sinful and obstinate people. And all God is asking us, will you just agree with me? And just say who you really are. And what is God's promise? You will be forgiven. And all unrighteousness will be removed from you. Lastly, The revelation about who God is and the revelation about who we are in light of a holy God should bring us to a point of repentance and confession and turning our way, take a 180 degree and stop following the world and follow God because repentance is a change of mind that translates into a change of action. And then we have a responsibility, a responsibility to live a holy life. It's one thing to say, God, forgive me of my sin. I decide to follow you. And as you turn around, you're back to doing that, which you would normally do. If you're at the point of repentance, then you have a responsibility to God. Then I heard the Lord of the voice saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Send me. You see, after you come to a point of repentance, then and only then will you begin to hear the voice of God. And then and only then will you be able to respond to what God is asking you to do. You have that responsibility to live a holy life. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, the Holy One of God, then you have a responsibility to live out your holiness through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 11, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. Yes, we have a responsibility, but you and I have a choice. Will we obey God rather than ourselves? Will we trust God rather than the world? Will we lean not on our own understanding but trust in Him? You have to make a choice. Moses made a choice. He decided to set aside his wonderful life in Egypt, in the palace. To suffer, to endure hardship with God's people because he knew he was a Hebrew. Why did Moses do it? He was looking for the reward. He wanted to consider reproach from other people rather than the reproach of Christ. He wanted to live a holy life for God because there was a reward, a future reward that was yet to come. Look forward to what God is preparing for us. And he says, when he comes back, behold, I come. And my reward is with me. Are you looking for the here and now? Or are you investing for eternity? You make a choice. No one can make that choice for you. First Peter, as obedient children, what is the imperative? Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in... In what? All your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy because I am holy. In all your behavior. In your thought life. In your financial life. In your relationship with your spouse. In with your relationship with your children. In relationship with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. God calls us to live a life of holiness. Set apart. Not sinless. But to sin less and less. Because only God is perfectly holy. And if you have trusted Jesus Christ, then the holy God lives in you through his Holy Spirit. And you have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to live holy lives unto the Lord. And he says in chapter 1 Peter 3.15... Sanctify. In other translations, it says, set apart. Sanctify is another word for holy. But set apart Christ. But sanctify Christ as Lord where? In your hearts. Not only in your thinking, but in your heart. For your heart will lead you to a path of holy living. You have to desire to live a holy life. Not just think about it. Set, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Who's the Lord? Christ. You follow Him, not He follow you. Set Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. There's something different about you. Oh, you noticed? Yes. I'm going to heaven. Really? Why? Because of Christ. How about me? Oh, you're not going to heaven because you're a sinner. I'm forgiven, you're not. Is that what the Bible is telling us? With gentleness and reverence. Oh, you know what? You know, I encountered Jesus Christ in a Bible study. If you want, I can tell you about my experience with him. Would you like to listen? That's taking the initiative to follow the command. Go ye therefore in all the nations. And what are we supposed to do? Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey. To obey all that I have commanded you. And the promise of the presence of God which makes this command all the more holy. Is what? Lo, I am with you. I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. You want to invest in eternity? Obey the command of God to make disciples. Not just teach them the Bible but to teach them to obey. Because look, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered those who revile your good behavior in Christ will what? Be put to shame. It is one thing to share the gospel by word. It is another thing to share the gospel with your life. Because the way you conduct yourself, the holy behavior that we are responsible to carry out will what? Silence the critics. You really give 10% to the church? No. Why? Why? Aren't you Christians supposed to give a tithe, 10%? I don't give 10%. By God's grace, I'm now able to give more. You're crazy. The economy is bad. How much is your take home? You have mortgage. You have car payment. You have all this, and yet you keep 10%. Something's wrong with you. But in your behavior, if they see that you are blessed, what? You will silence your critics. Do you really love your wife like this? Do you really respect your husband like that? Do you really lead your family? Yes. Crazy. But if they see that your family is blessed, that your family is not only happy, but it's experiencing the joy of the Lord, what will happen? They will be silenced. But it is only through your holy attitude and behavior that they will be silenced. Not just talking about God, but living out the holiness that God has imparted to you if you're a child of God. Revelation about who God is, that he is holy and we're not. A repentance to turn away from our sin and follow God. And a responsibility to those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ to live a holy life that brings glory and honor to God. And this, all of this, should be a response to God's supreme act of holiness. God's supreme act of holiness is embodied, is pictured in the cross of Christ. You see, we are all sinners. No one is righteous, not even one. But because God is holy and yet he desires to have a personal, intimate, vibrant relationship with us. Sin had to be paid for. And only the Holy One, the only Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, took your iniquity and mine, was pierced through for our transgressions, so that through His unblemished blood, you and I can go to heaven and spend eternity with God. I'd like to call the ushers to distribute the elements as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. And as the elements are being passed, consider who God is and who you are. Consider the repentance that God is calling us to. And think about your responsibility to live a holy life for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We can only enter heaven because of the holiness of Jesus Christ. The book of Isaiah tells us that though our sins are like scarlet, they will be washed as white as snow. It took the holy blood of Jesus to cleanse us from our sins. So as the elements are being passed, Just wherever you are. You don't even need to close your eyes. Just think. Just think about what we've shared with you this morning. About the holiness of God. About our sinful nature. That should lead us to repentance. And that we have a responsibility. As those who claim that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. To live a holy life for the glory of God. Perhaps you are here this morning and you are not sure that you really have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're not convinced that in the eyes of God you are a sinner and supposed to pay for your sin with the penalty of death. Perhaps you, you, do you, you do not yet know that Jesus Christ carried all of your sins on his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. Allow the Holy Spirit the freedom to speak to our hearts. And to reveal any wicked way within us. And if you doubt that God loves you, all you need to do is to look at the cross. And if you're not convinced that God loves you, that He desires for you to experience Him and to live a holy life, I cannot convince you. God proved His love to us by sending His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. What is the rationale for doing what we're doing this morning? 1 Corinthians 11 tells us, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks each judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Friends, if you have not yet come to a point of surrendering your life to Jesus Christ according to the encouragement of 1 Corinthians 11. It is okay if you do not partake. But you can come to faith in Jesus right now just by saying in your heart by faith, Lord Jesus I admit to you that only you are holy and I am sinful. Lord Jesus I acknowledge that only you died on the cross To completely pay for all of my sins. By faith this morning Lord. I invite you to come into my life. Change me from the inside out. To become the kind of Christ follower. You want me to be. If you prayed that prayer. And you placed your faith in Christ based on the assurance of the Word of God, Jesus is now living in you. Not because of the prayer. Prayer is just an expression of your faith. But your faith must be only in the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of us who already are assured of a relationship with Christ, now is a good time to apply 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Commit to follow God. Repent of your sin, but commit to follow God no matter what. That the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. God, we give thanks. We give thanks for your life. We give thanks for the life that we now have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Teach us, O God, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus especially, Lord, when we are faced with all kinds of temptations and we're about to give in. Lord, give us the way out that you have promised. Deliver us, Lord. Let us partake of the bread. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance from me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Let us give thanks to the Lord. God Almighty, Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your shed blood at Calvary. And because you have shed your holy, unblemished, perfect blood, for our sins we can experience forgiveness Lord teach us to hate sin remind us of your shed blood every time we are tempted Lord God so that we can always live a holy life, a life that is pleasing to you a life that will bring glory and honor to your name let's partake of the juice Let's pray together, shall we? God Almighty, we thank you. We thank you that you are far above whatever we can imagine. Thank you, Lord God, that you alone are holy. Teach us, Lord God, not to compare ourselves with other people, but to compare ourselves with you because you alone are holy. And Lord, as That revelation comes to us day in and day out. Teach us, Lord God, to live a repentful, surrendered life to you. Knowing that we have a responsibility. That all of our behavior should be holy unto you. And as you change us to be more and more like your son Jesus Christ. May the people around us, Lord, see the radiance of your son Jesus in us that they too may have the desire to know you in a real and personal way. Change us, O God, to be more and more like you with each day, with each breath that you give us. Thank you for being in our midst this morning, Lord God. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you are holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of your glory. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can the ushers may now take your uh, cups? As we resume doing this, I have two uh, discussion questions for you. We'll take about 15 to 20 minutes, break up into your own small groups. If you're here for the first time, look for a familiar face, and then we'll just sit down and spend time talking about the message that was just shared. So, first question is What behavior do you need to change to reflect the holiness of God in your life? Isa lang. alam ko marami. Isa kasi hindi tayo matatapos. Just one. Is it your temper? Is it your money? Is it your relationship with your spouse? Is it with the relationship with your children? I don't know what it is. Just share one with your small group. And then the second question, after you've shared, you know, just be honest. You know, uh, I need to change this. Because uh, for me, for example, me, I always constantly need to address my temper. Hindi nyo halata, no? But I have a really bad, really short temper. So what? Second, if that is my confession to the group, then how can your small group members help you with your desire to change? Some of us are in the texting group. You text each other. Bro, how are you? Sis, how are you about that area of your life that you have confessed to us? We hold each other in accountability. All right? So go ahead now guys, we'll spend like 15-20 minutes